I put it off, and I think it's uh, I think it's the 17th verse of Galatians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul says, But God forbid that I should glory in saving the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we we worship him. Uh, this is his church. This is his ministry. Uh, we are his people, and we worship and praise him for his goodness, grace, and mercy. Numbers chapter 20, for there say amen. Amen. Numbers chapter 20. The Bible says, Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, under the desert of Zin, in the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh. And Miriam died there, that's Moses' sister, and was buried there. In verse 2, And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. So there's three things that Moses and the people are dealing with. Number one is Miriam's sister, or Moses' sister Marion passed away. He's dealing with that. And there's no water for the congregation. I'm sure that's an issue. Amen. And also Moses is dealing with that. He feels responsible for these people. He's their pastor in the wilderness. And then not only on top of that, the people are gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. So now he's, he's dealing with that too. Then verse number three, and the people chode with Moses. I don't know what that means, but I don't want nobody choding with me. Do you? That sounds like something that would, uh, would be hard to deal with. I mean, of course, it's fussing and bickering towards him. But they chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? Why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? Wherefore have you made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us in unto this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces. Thank God they knew where to turn to, didn't they? Moses and Aaron, they went to church. They went to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. Verse 7, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth of them water of the rock, and thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. So God tells Moses to speak to the rock. Verse 9, And Moses took the rod from before the Lord, as he commanded, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, ye rebels. He's upset, isn't he? You bunch of rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? He sounds angry, don't he? I think in this occasion, Moses, he's the, there's never, the Bible said about Moses, there's never been a man in all the earth as meek as Moses. Meek. He's angry, frustrated, thirsty, confused. He's being attacked. His sister died. What's going on with him, isn't it? And all of that, he has the care of the church, the church in the wilderness upon his shoulders. And I hear it in his voice, don't you? Ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? In verse 11, And Moses lifted up his hand with his rod, and he spoke, no, 
smoked. Remember in verse number 8, God told him to speak to the rock. Moses, in his anger, anybody ever been there before? Sometimes when fussing don't work, we go to blows, don't we? <laughs> we shouldn't. Amen. Say amen. But he didn't speak to the rock. In verse 11, he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Problem solved, right? But look at verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. So the Lord, he's a jealous God. And it looks like Moses gets the credit here, don't it? And God, the Lord said he didn't want him to, he didn't want him to strike it, he didn't want him to speak to it. And because ye believe not, God says, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Now, what's that mean? It means that Moses and Aaron, you're going to die before you go to the promised land. You're not going to bring them in. You're going to die. You're not going. You're going to pass away. Before, and they're going to go. There's going to be another leader, leader take them. And we know his name is Joshua. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Bless us, Lord. We pray, God, your word will be glorified. And Lord, I pray, Jesus, that our hearts will be opened to the word. Lord, we would forget the time. We would forget whatever we've got to do that must seem maybe more important than this hour. But Lord, I pray that you would remind us, Lord, of how good it is to be here, how good it has been already to have been here. And Lord, we've, we've enjoyed our time in your house. Lord, it, we are glad we've come and we give you the credit and the glory for it all. And Lord, we worship you. We thank you, Jesus. And Lord, continue, God, to pour into our church, invest in your church here among us by your Holy Spirit, by your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd lay your hand on us. And Lord, your will would be done in our lives. And do it here tonight. Help us to be willing for that to happen tonight. In your name, Jesus, Lord, we ask these things. Amen. So there's trouble in Kadesh, and we've discussed that. We've read it in our text. Moses' sister died, and they're out of water, and they're fussing with Moses, and they're aggravated at him. And then he, he smotes the rock instead of speaking to it. And then he's banned from the promised land. He don't get to go. And all this happens in a moment. In a moment. And if we're not careful, we could get, we could get derailed in a moment. You know that. If we're not careful. I mean, just one day. It could change everything, can't it? Just a second, can't it? And you know, a lot of we spend years building our testimony. In one day, it could be gone. You know that. In one second, it's over. And everything you might not get to enjoy the promised land on earth that God had planned for you. Just in a second, it's gone. And Moses got angry and disobeyed the word of God. And and, and I'd say that with deep respect. And I'm careful to say it because I'm sure. Have come far short of Moses' spiritual standing. But he, in one moment, he missed out on what God had for him. And as a human, I get that, don't you? He's got a lot on him. He's grieving over his sister. He's stressed out about what's going on in his church. And he's, people are accusing him of all kinds of stuff. And he, he's, he knows what to do. He's doing the right thing, but then he does the right thing the wrong way. And it cost him, didn't it? 
I'm thinking about Uzzah who touched the cart when they were taking the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. They were taking it to Jerusalem and the, and the Ark began to shake, but they were carrying it the wrong way. And they were doing the right thing the wrong way. And they were supposed to do it a certain way with certain priests and certain men with certain rods. And they're supposed to do this a certain way. And it's supposed to be pulled with certain kind of animals. But they didn't. They, want, they rushed. And they did the right thing the wrong way. And the Ark of the Covenant teetered and Uzzah put his hand on it and in a second he dropped dead God killed him you're not supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant but Lord I'm doing it for you still we must do it the right way shouldn't we we've got to do it the right way we got to do it the Lord's way don't we everything if you want your life to be blessed listen everything should be done the right way you say well what's the right way then let's Find out what the right way is. And it might take some Bible study and some effort and some work. People say, I want my life to be blessed. Well, amen, I do too. But listen, there is a way. (laughs) There's a way that seems right to you and me. But the Lord has a way, you know. Teach me, O Lord. Teach me. And so Moses makes a mistake. And boy, boy, did it cost him. We've been there, haven't we? You ever done that? I have. I say this a lot, but some of them days I'd like to do again, wouldn't you? Even as a pastor, some of them decisions I made, I'd like to redo them. I'm here tonight by the grace of God, not by human intellect or strength. If it was up to me, I'd have ruined it a thousand times, but I'm thankful for His grace, aren't you? I'm glad even when sin abounds, grace doth that much more abound. Grace outruns sin and helps us in times of need. Amen? But the people were murmuring against Moses. And look what they're saying in verse number 5. Look, listen, how, listen to the irony of this. The gall of this. The complete lack of self-awareness in what they're saying. Verse number 5. The people said this to Moses. Wherefore have you made us to come out of Egypt? Are you like making bricks to bring us unto this evil place? Now, they're saying that Moses brought them to this place. And here's what they say about this place. It is, it is no place of seed or figs or vines or pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. Where? In this place. Here's the irony of that. God had a better place for them to be. This isn't where God wanted them. Because in Numbers chapter 14, they were fixing to go into Canaan land. And Moses sent out 12 spies. One preacher said that's, that's 10 too many. Because only Caleb and Joshua said, yeah, we can take the land. But in, in, in Numbers 14, they go to spy out the land, and it's a land. And they said, yeah, it's a land with milk and honey. It's a land with grapes the size of pumpkins. It's a land, it's amazing, it's a land, but there's giants in the land. But they're blaming Moses and they're saying, why have you brought us to this place? Listen, this is not the place that they are supposed to be. So I want to say to them, don't turn bitter against God for the choices that you've made. They decided this. They didn't want to go to the land of Canaan. They, were, they could have been in it, but they didn't go. And they're blaming Moses. We do that, don't we? My life's falling apart. It's because of that. My life is a wreck. It's because of them. 
My life is turned upside down and I'm, they're complaining about where they're at. They're complaining about what's going on. I want to, I want to encourage you, don't be bitter about, about God if your life is falling apart because you're at the place where God didn't intend for you to be. Don't blame God for going the wrong direction when that direction leads to trouble down the road. They're blaming God for the choices that they made. They're blaming Moses for the life that they decide to live. I, Moses, absolutely, he, he, is, he is a man. He, it, either he said it and it's not recorded or he didn't say it, but if, I'm like, I want to have the last word. You ever get that way? If you ever get in an argument with me, it's going to go on a long time. I want to have the last word. <laughs> I think I'm right. Why would I argue if I didn't think I was right? Surely Moses thought it or said it. You all could have been in Canaan land. It's your fault. You're blaming God for not having water when God was trying to get you in a land flowing with milk and honey. See, our lives sometimes are not what we think they should be according to the promises of God. But the problem with that is, is we've not kept God's word. And how can God promise something that you've not kept your end of the deal? How can God bless you when you're off in a far country? How can God do that? Why would he incentivize rebellion? Why, why would he make it good when you've chosen the wrong path? Why, I'm thinking, why would he even give them water to drink? When he promised them a land with milk and honey, and they chose another direction. See, we think, oh, they're nuts. We do the same thing, don't we? We do the exact same thing. When I read the Exodus story, the children of Israel in the wilderness, I can't help it, especially now as a pastor. I have a little bit of experience in it, I think. That is just like a church, isn't it? It is. It is. God's been good to us, but God has blessed us, but they said, I don't know where you can go where somebody don't say something about you, do you? I don't know where anybody can go and something don't go wrong. I don't know where you can go in this life and somebody not look at you crazy sometimes. I don't know where you can go. They're blaming Moses and God for a choice that they made. Now because of that, that's created some stress in Moses' life. So in verse number 8, God says, speak to the rock. But in verse number 11, we know that God, that Moses, he strikes the rock twice. So their disobedience has allowed Moses, or caused Moses, or encouraged Moses for him also to go into disobedience. So their influence on this scene has caused disobedience in Moses' life. So the, the application is, is don't let the disobedience of others make you disobey too. Amen? Your parents ever say that? I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what they do. I don't care where they go. My mother used to say that to me and Sean, I don't care. I don't care what Jason does. I don't care. I don't care, I don't care what they do. It wasn't bad, Ruth. Let <laughs> her fix that. She might chode against me. I don't want to be choded on. I don't care what they do. I understand it from a human perspective, don't you? 
Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I looked into it, that these things are written for our example. That, that we should consider their journey and their story. Let's not think we're better than them. But if I could learn something from another generation that might have took them a generation to learn, and I can zip it into my generation, I could be a generation more farther along in my sanctification if I can apply what scriptures teach to my life. It's like I tell young people, I've even told my son, if you could learn something from another man that took him 30 years to learn, you could start learning something from, you got time now to advance it. We could advance everything, couldn't we? I mean, West Side should be better if Jesus tarries his coming and I die and a hundred years from now, Lord, please have West Side to still be here and still be serving Christ. But it should be better. We shouldn't digress. We should go further, shouldn't we? So Moses, unfortunately, now this is our example. He allowed their disobedience to bring about disobedience in his own life. Anger caused him to go the wrong way. And it always does, don't it? You hear me, young people? Anger causes you to go the wrong way. It does, every time. Hard to control anger, you know it. Makes you do crazy stuff. It makes you miss out on God's promises. Amen? It makes you miss out on the good things that God has in your life. Moses and Aaron should have been in the promised land, but because he lost it one time. Is that all it takes? That's all it takes to ruin a family is you lose it one time. You know that? That's all it takes. That's all it takes to ruin a church is that you lose it one time out there in the parking lot. Scream at your windshield. Don't scream on the outside of it. Do it it when you get in there. And don't let your kids be in there. Park and get off on the road and go under the drain pipe of the interstate and do it there. One moment of anger can wreck the promise and the intention that God has upon your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. He who can rule his spirit, he can rule a city. He can. Lord help us. So Moses, he gets angry. Their disobedience. I get it though. This is our example, though. So when it comes up, think, why a message like this tonight? Because God must know what you need. He must know. He must know. He does, amen? He does know. Here's the last thing. So they, they're in a circumstance that they created. They were supposed to be in Canaan land. In this moment, they're supposed to be in the land of Canaan. In this moment. But they're not. So they're thirsty at Kadesh. Miriam dies. Who knows why she died? I wonder even if she was in Canaan land, would she have died then? Her diet probably would have been better, probably better climate. Probably been like moving to Florida. It had been great there, but she died. I don't know if that's what caused it, but we can, we can maybe think that, there's, that she has no water. Who knows what complications have arised? Who knows the complications that arise when we disobey the word of God? Who knows what will happen? I don't know, do you? But I do know what will happen if you obey God. But I do not know what will happen to me or you if we disobey God. When you reap the wind, don't be shocked. If you sow to the wind, don't be shocked. If you reap the whirlwind, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. So the circumstance that they created caused them to disobey, brought about the disobedience in Moses' life. He lost it. He was upset. He's doing the right thing. God told him to go to the rock and get the water. 
but he, to speak to it. He don't speak to it. He smites it. And you might think, why does that matter? Because it really, literally is true. The devil is in the details. He, he's an expert on disrupting the details. And so Moses smote the rock twice instead of speaking to it. He must have wanted to hit something. He could have spoke to it. Now here's what's happening here. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, you could turn there and listen. Paul the Apostle says, he's speaking about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And he speaks about this rock. And this rock means something significant. This rock is a type or a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. This, this rock symbolizes Jesus supplying the necessary water, the water of life, supplying our needs, being with us, giving us life in a dry land. And it's true. This is the wilderness we call the world, and Jesus has given us life in a dry land, hasn't he? Now, I'm not making it up. I'm not, because I shouldn't. We shouldn't speculate or make things up, should we? And so, this is biblical. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 Verse number four, Paul says this, And did we all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followeth them, and that rock was what? Christ. That, walk, that rock was Christ. Now, if, if, if you're an astute Bible studier, or you might be, maybe you knew this but forgot, this is the second time that Moses has to get water out of this rock recorded here. The first time takes place in the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter number 17, God told Moses, now remember, Paul said that the rock is Christ. God told Moses to smite the rock. And Moses did in Exodus chapter number 17. You get to our text in Numbers chapter 20, God told Moses to speak to the rock. Don't smite it. Now Jesus is the rock. And so the lesson then is a gospel lesson that Jesus was once sacrificed for sin. He was broken one time. He died. So Moses strikes the rock, which is Christ, and the rock breaks, and water just gushes out of this rock. And million-plus people are drinking from it in the desert. And now this rock is Christ. Now the next time, so God is trying to teach us a, a gospel lesson. The next time, God says, I want you to do it different. Now the Lord, listen, sometimes we can sin by our traditions, and we think, well, I did it this way once, and I'm going to do it this way again. But sometimes we sin by our traditions, and that's why our services, I'm not talking about us, but generally, the church services sometimes are dry, because we do the same thing the same way, because a long time ago, maybe, it was awesome, it was great, and we keep doing that. And I know we don't know what to do, but we're like David when he fought the Philistines and he runs through the mulberry trees and then God says, I want you to wait. I want you to do it. I want you to do it different this time. And th this time he did it different. And God might want us to do it different. Because he can. He can. And so Moses, this time, I don't want you to smite the rock. I want you to speak to it. And the symbolism, the application to our lives is this. 
Because Christ was broken for our sin. He don't have to be smitten. I can just speak to Him. Oh Lord, help me. I need Your grace. Because He already died. He already, and if He died and arose again, shall He not freely also give me all things? And now that since the rock has been smitten and is, He's been broken on Calvary, I can just speak now. Oh Lord, I need You, grace. And He can be kind to you for Christ's sake because Christ died and God can be just in being kind to us sinners. For Christ's sake. And so Moses, break the rock, but this time, speak to the rock. So what's the application here? Is that Moses didn't follow the word of God and it distorted the gospel message. And to prove that the Lord doesn't approve of Moses striking the rock again, which is Christ, He says, you can't go in the promised land. What is God saying? I don't approve of what happened here. That's what he's saying. I don't approve of this. I don't bless this. I want everybody to know, Moses, you're not going with us? No, I smote the rock. I shouldn't have. I did it once. It can't be smote again. You speak to the rock. So the application for our lives is this. is that when we get out of the will of God, it distorts the gospel message in our lives. Simply put like this. When you live outside of your Christian testimony and you go to witness to somebody, it kind of distorts the gospel message, don't it? I mean, when you're not living right and you're trying to tell people what life is and your life is like theirs, what are you offering? It distorts it. Why would God bless your life if that's going on anyway? I mean, why would God, why would your cup be running over? When you're not even, uh, when your cup has a hole in it. And so when you're outside of the will of God, it distorts the gospel message. And God, then you can't live in the promised land that God wants you to live in. Now, I'm one of these Christians who believe that the promised land of the Old Testament is not heaven, but the promised land in the Old Testament is the Christian life on earth. Because there's battles in the promised land and they got to kick out giants out of the promised land and they got to fight wars in the promised land. And me now, in my life, I'm fighting giants, ain't you? I'm trying to fight and get all the wickedness out of what? The promised land, i.e. my Christian life. But i got to get there first. Okay. So if, if I live contrary to the gospel message... God could put a disapproval on me. He could. There's a sin unto death. And He chastens us. And if we know He don't chasten us, then we're illegitimate and we don't belong to Him because He don't whip the devil's kids. Amen? So when we're out of the will of God, it distorts the, the gospel message in our lives. And to prove that, that's, that God don't approve of it, He's like, you can go up Mount Pisgah. You can view it. But you're going to die up there. You'll not enter into the promised land because it's not consistent with the gospel message. You see it? You see it? Amen. The rock's been smitten. Out of it comes water that flows freely. Thank God now he'll not be smitten again. He is the rock. The rock's been broke. Grace is flowing. And he's here today. Amen. Grace, grace through faith alone. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. What song are we going to sing, Bryson? Page number 410 tonight. 410.
Bill, whenever you get done, if you could come. I'm, pray for Bill. He does a good job for the Lord, the church. He's got a lot on his plate. And even now, I'm sure he's clicking, rushing. Uh, and then he's going to put on a different hat and be the church clerk. And we're going to receive Danny and Sabrina.